Good morning. You guys okay? You're lacking one hour of sleep. You kind of look like you're lacking an hour of sleep. You guys okay? All right. Well, we're going to get started with a video, and then I'm going to come back up, and you're going to go, are you talking about the video? And the video is not going to make sense until, like, midway through the message. Okay? So take a look at this, and then I'll come back really quick. How do you help people mature as Christians to do what Jesus did for the reasons he did them? The Real Life Continuum was created to not only offer a vision of disciple-making, but also to offer guidance on what to do at each step in the journey. And in the first step, you're helping a skeptic. They see Christians as hypocritical, judgmental, and narrow-minded. So they need to trust a Christian in order to grow in faith. If a skeptic begins to trust Christians, they become seekers. Humbly challenge them toward next steps in faith. Mean churches challenge without building trust and thus aren't heard. Other churches play nice, never challenging to next steps. Knowing the difference between a skeptic and a seeker will help you know what to offer. And the ultimate challenge is to give them a chance to trust Jesus and let him take lead. If they do that, then they become followers of Jesus. But let me come back to this one. In the fourth step, help Christians become leaders. Not everyone gets a title, but everyone should be released to use their spiritual gifts for the common good. So empower them by giving both power and authority to leaders in your care. And the final step, help Christians to become world changers. Help them to do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. Envision with them on how they can be people of love, not only within the church, but also to the world around them. Now let's get back to the third step. What should every Christ follower be able to do? Perhaps you want them to read the Bible or pray every day or be a part of a Christian community each week. But what's the one thing? I think that all of these other rhythms point to recognizing God's voice in the everyday and obeying what we hear. Because one word from God is worth a thousand sermons. These world changers then also make other apprentices of Jesus. They make disciples. And all of this is done in the community of the big story under the power and leadership of the Holy Spirit. And we keep learning to hear rightly by first hearing, then responding to what we hear, and then debriefing what we've done in community. And so that's how people keep growing in their faith. Okay, your turn. What's your next step in helping skeptics and seekers to become kingdom world changers? I'm going to say a word of prayer, and then we're going to go ahead and get started. Actually, what I'd like you to do is just, would you put your uh, a hand over your heart? And we're just going to talk to the Holy Spirit. Lord, I, I, I do believe maybe if I could summarize this message in two words, it would be stay awake. <laughs> and I pray that, Holy Spirit, you would be speaking to people's hearts. Uh, you're awesome. You have a way of making something come alive. And you have a way of taking a message and just individualizing it for each person. So I just pray for open hearts and open ears and that your spirit would be speaking and moving 
conform us into the image of Christ and wake us up. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, You guys can take a seat. Uh, What I'd like to do is just uh, ask you guys a a few questions. How many of you guys would describe yourselves as planners? Okay? Uh, So you, you, you think about the future, and you see all the events that are ahead, and you make all the necessary preparations uh, so that those events are successful and engaging and wonderful. Like, so you're planners, right? Okay, now, if you guys are planners, then for the people who didn't raise your hands, like, what are you? What was that? Uh, I didn't hear that. But I'm thinking, you're, you're thinking of nice words like, we're free-spirited, we're fun people, we're spontaneous people, Right? Or maybe not. Uh, I, I, I'm one of those, right? I'm, I'm, one of, I'm one of those, but, but I did something pretty wise. I married a planner. So just by the, by the two of us, she does the planning, and I, I still get by, right? Now, now, I guess one test of whether or not you're a planner is, um, I think planners, like for vacation, you will plan your vacation, Okay? But I do have a question for people who plan, which is, how do you plan for an event when the day of the event is unknown? I mean, how do you do that? Okay, let me give you an example, okay? Uh, in, eight, in 1989, there was the big earthquake, the Loma Prieta earthquake. It, it ravaged the Bay Area, right? Now, people say that there's going to be another one. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen in the Bay Area because uh, a lot of the Bay Area rests on a fault line. So how many of you, just a show of hands, have made, like, emergency earthquake preparations? Raise your hand boldly. Okay, not everyone. Okay, now you are the true planners, right? Now, can you guys tell me what you guys have done? How do you prepare for that? Right. And that's water and canned food and dried food, right? Okay, backpack with cash. You got like a knife in there just in case too? Okay, right. <laughs> because if the earthquake happens, we know who to like tap, tap into, right? <clears throat> it's one of those things where I don't know when it's going to happen, but the way that I plan for it is I think, okay, if it were going to happen tomorrow, what would I need to do today? Right? And that, that, that's how you, you start getting this urgency to plan. Okay, how many of you have had children? Raise your hands. Okay. Uh, for, for Raina and I, um, it took us two years to actually get ready to have children. Now, when I say that, you're thinking, you mean you tried for two years? No. It took us two years to feel right about the mental idea of having kids. And so we would talk about kids, and I would just feel like this sense of panic. And, you know, for two years, I had to actively pray about that to get over it. And then I'm like, okay, okay, I I think I'm ready. And then we went through this period where we were trying. And then the news came, those amazing words from Raina's lips. You knocked me up. No, no, she didn't say that. No, she... (laughs) Rain doesn't talk like that. She, she said, she said, she said, I think I'm pregnant. And, and our, 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 world, our world just uh, was just 
you know, all these new things, all these new things. And, and for those nine months, we were preparing and we were planning. But here's the crazy thing. We knew around the month when it was going to happen, but we didn't know the day, right? And, and babies can come prematurely. So what do you do to prepare when you don't know the day? Well, like a month before, we're like, okay, okay, okay. Let's say the baby comes tomorrow. When the baby comes tomorrow, what do we need to do? And so we prepared like this bag, and we got to get the clothes. And then, and then, then I, I, I kind of did like a, a Google map search, like, okay, it, it, this would be the way, the shortest way to the hospital. And then Raina actually planned out like a drug plan. Like when you get me in the hospital, right? Uh, I just want the, 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 the low-level narcotics. And then at the at last resort, I want the epidural, right? It's funny. Nowadays, like with our third kid, it was just like once we got in, she's like, just give me the epidural, right? Just stick it in me, right? But, 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 but before, we had this plan. And it was interesting that, you know, okay, um, Ryan, September 20, that was the expected due date. Guess when he came? Ryan is our most punctual member of our family, right? He came on the day up. And so, actually, Raina and I were doing these exercises at night, you know, to try to hasten the, uh, the, 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 the coming. And then we went to bed. We turned off the lights. I said, good night, honey. And I gave her a kiss. And the moment I gave her a kiss, her water broke. It was, it was a powerful kiss, you know. <laughs> but we were ready. And the way that you get ready is you think, if this were to happen next week, if this were to happen tomorrow, what do I need to do today? Are you guys ready for Jesus to come back? I, I know sometimes with these messages, I, I can get kind of verbose, maybe, uh, and, and have a lot of words. Sometimes I feel like the most powerful messages are just the most simple messages. And here's just a simple thought, and I just, by the power of God's Spirit, can you, can you please take this question seriously? If Jesus were coming back tomorrow, would you be ready today? That's my question. Now, I'm going to ask you this question maybe in five different ways during this message, but that is the big idea. And if that's the only thing that you take away from this message, great. If Jesus were coming back tomorrow, what do you need to do today? Actually, let, let, let's, let's think of it like this, okay? Put it in the statement. If Jesus were coming back tomorrow, today I would blank. And what I want you to do actually right now, can you, can you get like a pen and a paper and just, just scribble down something that you would do like right after service if Jesus were coming back tomorrow? I mean, can you, can, you, can you do that right now? I mean, take this question seriously. Because this, this question has amazing power. I, I think some of us would say, if Jesus were coming back tomorrow, I would reconcile with this person. Then you guys, do it today. Do it today. I, I think some of you would say, if Jesus were coming back tomorrow... I would share about Jesus with this person who doesn't know, and I've been around them for a while, but I haven't said anything, then by the guidance of God's Spirit, maybe you should do it today. 
And some of you are like, if Jesus, honestly, if Jesus would come back tomorrow, I think I might sell some things. Well, then do it today. Uh, just a little bit of a practical illustration, and then that we'll go straight to the scriptures. <laughs> um, gosh, you know, one of the hard things about being a pastor is I will say things up here, and then I feel like I really have to follow through with my life, you know? Um, it's not just being a pastor, it's just being a human being where you just, you just want to be accountable to the things that you say. And uh, last year, I was really thinking about this theme of our church, you know, living simply and giving generously. Living simply and giving generously. And then I came up with this idea, I think it was God-inspired, and I shared it with Raina, and I think I might have shared it with you guys, I'm not really sure. But I was saying to Raina, you know, we have three kids, and sometimes we talk about having a fourth kid, but what if we did have a fourth kid? And she was like, what? And I was like, no, 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 let me explain. What if our fourth child was global compassion, global poverty, and missionary sending? What if that was like our fourth kid? You know, what, what if we had equal shares for the kids, and we had an equal share for a fourth kid who was like global poverty and missionary sending? She was like, well, that's a, that's a radical idea. Uh, why don't we start in places like college saving? And so what we did is I have this uh, automatic deduction plan where every month there, there, there will be some funds automatically drawn from, from my bank account. And there will be one for Noe and one for Christopher and, and one for Ryan and then one for, like, compassion. Okay? So we're doing this, and we've, we've, we've been doing this, and it's, it's been like a year. Now, how many of you guys, you guys are planners, how many of you guys check your, like, your, your bank accounts like every month? You guys do that? You do? I kind of like check it maybe like quarterly. You know, I don't check it that much. And I thought that, uh, that everything was just reconciling itself until recently I looked at my bank account, and I'm like, you know, and it was about to be overdrawn, and we're like, what's going on? And so Raina's cranking the numbers, we're cranking the numbers, and we crank the numbers, and we found out that we can't afford this fourth child, you know? Well, no, 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 with, with the college savings, we can't afford, we can't afford with our lifestyle to have an equal portion be, you know, global poverty and missionary sending, so I think, you know, Raina and I were talking, like, well, obviously what we gotta do is we gotta, like, you know, cut the savings for the you know, global poverty. And so, you know, it's just like, that's like a no-brainer. Then I read a scripture like this. And you're like, what am I supposed to do with this? And I'm like, okay, Rana, let's talk about this honestly. Okay, okay, hold on, think about this. If, if Jesus were coming back uh, uh, tomorrow, would we cut funds from the fourth child? I'm like, no, of course we wouldn't do that. I think we would actually cut front funds from, like, some of our comforts that like we go out to eat and we could spend some money here in entertainment. I think we should, and vacation, I think we would cut there. So when Jesus comes back, he would be like, wow, you're really living simply and giving generously. I would do that. And so I'm thinking, no, no, I'm not saying, I'm not committing to anything here, okay? Let me just make this very clear. I'm just saying that if you really live every day as if Jesus might come back the next day, it changes your priorities. You think differently about things, about money, about people you talk to, about what you do, right? Now let me ask you, how come we're not thinking like this? I, 
How come I don't hear conversations about people thinking that way? You know, why is it when I'm thinking about a model to share with you guys to inspire us about this kind of thinking, I'm like, I'm like, I don't, can't think of a lot of models. Now, Jesus gave us two chapters, and it's a recurring theme that we got to get ready, and we got to be alert, and we got to be prepared. So how about it? Let's do it. Let's put on that mindset. Okay, now let's go to the scriptures. Let's go to Matthew 24. Matthew 24. Um, there are at least four things, five things, that this scripture, the latter half of Matthew 24, teaches us about the second coming of Christ. Okay? I'm going to try to go through this quickly, but I want to sh- share the idea and then unpack the scripture. Okay, so the first thing that we learn through these scriptures, uh, Han, can you go ahead and just flash that up? The first thing that we learn about the second coming of Christ is that his second coming is not going to be like his first. His second coming is not going to be like his first coming. So let me, let me start in verse 26, and it reads, So if they say to you, look, he's in the wilderness, don't go out. And if they say, look, he's in the inner rooms, don't believe it. For as lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Now, uh, the first time Jesus came, it was a, a baby in a manger. We know the nativity story, you know, meek and gentle. And, and, and the world, didn't, no one really knew about it except the few people that God actually uh, told that this was, you know, the anointing one. But, but the world didn't know, right? The world didn't know. And then even when he entered into Jerusalem, how does he enter into Jerusalem? You guys know this story. How does he enter? On a, on a, on a little donkey. You know, I mean, sometimes you kind of go, Jesus, did you need like a a PR consultant, a little donkey? Really? I mean, that doesn't really inspire awe. But but he came in humility and gentleness and meekness. You know, he was born to this uh, teenage girl in this obscure place who probably couldn't even read and write. But when he comes the second time, everybody's going to know undeniable, unmistakable, awe-inspiring power. Now, I don't know exactly how this is going to look like. I don't know exactly how technology uh, is going to actually enhance or maybe just completely supernatural. But nowadays, with our given technology, most of the developed world can look at the same thing at the same time, right? So I don't know how that's going to play out. But it's going to be undeniable, unmistakable, awesome, radiant power. Everyone's just going to know. Now, I just want you to think about it because, again, we haven't really thought about this for a long time. But can you imagine certain people who you would never expect to acknowledge that Jesus is actually who he said he was? I mean, when was the last time you thought about, like, all the Jews in Israel? All the Jews. And then them realizing at that moment that, you know, no way. Jesus is real, you know? All the Jews in Israel. How about anyone watch NPR in the morning? I was talking to my friend. It's like, why is it that on NPR they never, rep- although at least in my experience, they never represent robust Orthodox Christianity? It's always some variant, you know, sect that is not 
Why is that? And just imagine that Jesus comes. All the broadcasters on NPR will know Jesus is the real thing. Or what about this? We've thought about this. Brad Pitt and Miley Cyrus and Jon Stewart at that moment will go, oh, you know, oh, no, 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 no. You know, at that moment, that will happen. That will happen. Uh, the second thing this, 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 this scripture teaches us about the second coming of Christ is that no one knows the day or the hour of his coming. No one knows the day or the hour of his coming. Verse 36. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. Okay, not even the angels, not even the Son, but the Father only. How many of you guys, uh, this was like, uh, what was it, in 2011, were driving around the Bay Area and you saw those billboard signs that said the end of the world is coming? You guys know what I'm talking about, right? You guys all saw it, right? It was like on 80 and, and so on and so forth. And you know what was really funny? It said the end of the world is coming. And then it actually had the, the date, May 21st, 2011. And it was actually uh, produced by a person with an incredibly lot of money, more money than maybe he should have been given. But he, he, he produced this on billboards, wanted the whole world to know, right? And you know it was really funny? On the billboard on the top left corner, there was like this circle with ribbons on it. And you know what it said? It said, the Bible guarantees it. You know, you, you look at that, you're like, what? Really? Because you have a scripture here that says, concerning that day and hour, no one knows, you know? I mean, the Bible guarantees it. What are you talking about? The Bible says that no one knows. So no one knows. But, but, but you know, you have run into people who go, you know, I don't know the day or the hour, but I think it's going to happen in my lifetime. You can say that, right? Or actually, I, I think it might happen in my children's lifetime or my grandchildren's lifetime. But ultimately, no one knows. Okay, the third thing this passage teaches us is that his coming is going to catch a lot of people by surprise. His coming is going to catch a lot of people by surprise. 37. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days, you guys heard that, that movie by Russell Crowe, it's coming out on Noah. You guys heard about that one? Yeah. Uh, it, so it will be, be like those days. So as in those days, before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Now, I have a lot to cover, so I'm going to go pretty quick through this. But what the, the passage is making very clear is that people were eating and drinking, and they were getting married, and so on. That day, they were going to a wedding. And so, what were people doing? These are not bad things. What are people doing? They're living like an ordinary day. It's just like, it's just an ordinary day. Uh, the day wasn't really necessarily special. It was just an ordinary day. We do ordinary things. We go eat pho. We went to this person's birthday party. And when it happens... It'll catch people by surprise. 41. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one left. Actually, 40. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. 
Now, I, I just want to explain this part. Uh, in, in, in these two verses, the, the two men would probably be like a father and a son, or these two, these two women would be like a mother and a daughter. Now, this, these few verses hearken back to this parable that Jesus taught. And with this parable, there was a farmer, and he was growing some crops of wheat. And then this enemy came and sowed these uh, seeds of, uh, of, of weeds. And then the weeds grew up among the weeds. And then the farmer's assistant is like, you know, we got a big problem here. There's all these weeds. And the farmer goes, you know something? If I pull out the weeds, it's going to really damage the wheat. Let's not pull them out now. Let's wait until harvest comes, and then we're going to separate the wheat from the weeds. And what you see here is that even though people are geographically together, they're being separated. Now, where they're being separated, is it to glory? Is it to judgment? I'm not sure. But they're being separated. 42, therefore, stay awake. Can you put a gentle hand on the person next to you and just say, stay awake? Stay awake. (laughs) Some of you need to hear that literally. Stay awake, right? (laughs) Stay with me here. This is really important stuff. Stay awake. Therefore, stay awake. For you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake. It would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Now, I want to repeat this theme. Stay awake, because you don't know the day, okay? That is on 42. Stay awake, because you don't know the day. In verse 44, therefore, you must stay ready, because you don't know when he's coming. Now, it's hard to find illustrations that really kind of help us to understand. But I think I have a feeling that this one might help us understand, okay? When I was in high school, I, I, a freshman, my, it was after my freshman year. I didn't do so great in the grades department. And my mom wanted to give me a motivational pep talk. And so basically, here's what she did. She's so effective. She knows how I think. She goes, she goes uh, son, if, if you next year, or maybe it was my sophomore year going to my junior year, she said, if you next year get straight A's, I will buy you a new guitar and give you $1,000. I'm just curious. Would that motivate the high schoolers here? Colin says, yes, absolutely. Well, hey, there you go. Now, I cannot tell you how much that motivated me. It really did motivate me. Different things motivate different people. This really motivated me. So I'm thinking, what do I need to do to actually get straight A's? I really want straight A's because I want that $1,000 and I want the guitar. So one of my toughest classes was, uh, I believe at that moment, it was AP Calculus. Now, AP calculus is pretty tough. And so in the beginning of the semester, my teacher said, listen, this is how the grades are going to be configured. Uh, There's a final exam, and there's a midterm. And I'm not going to grade you in your homework. We're like, oh, wow. That's okay. Okay. But he said this. A portion of your grade is going to be determined by something called a pop quiz. A pop quiz. A pop quiz is coming. You do not know when it's going to come. But it is coming. And when it comes, you need to be ready. You need to be ready. 
Man, that was so motivating. <laughs> that was very motivating. I'm thinking, you know something? The pop quiz could be tomorrow, and I'm going to do my homework today like the pop quiz was tomorrow. But here's the thing. You think, well, I did that last week, and it wasn't the pop quiz last week. And then this week I'm doing it, and there's no guarantee that, yes, but it's coming. <laughs> so you've got to be faithful today, right? Well, that pop quiz, when you not knowing keeps you motivated, keeps you on your toes, there is urgency. There's urgency. You guys feel that urgency? You guys feel it from the scripture? Uh, one of my favorite speakers is, is Francis Chan. And, and he, he tells this story where he was like, he was watching this play with his wife's grandma. Okay, they're watching a play. And the play was maybe like two hours long or something like that. I'm not sure. But he was just watching his grandma, and she looked agitated. I don't know if you've heard this story before. She looked agitated, and he's like, Grandma, what's wrong? And she's like, this woman is really, she's, uh, clearly she's, she's older. I think she was like in her 80s or 90s. But just a godly, godly woman. And she goes, oh, Francis. <laughs> she goes, oh, Francis. If, if Jesus were to come back now, I wouldn't want him to catch me just here, just looking at this play. And, and, and he's like, what? <laughs> you know, just, just watch the play and relax, you know? And then what the grandma starts to do is she starts to close her eyes and starts to pray for people that she knows. And then Francis is watching is like, and, he, and then he starts to close his eyes and pray for people too, because he's like, maybe she knows something that I don't. I better start praying, you know? How many people do you know live with that urgency? If Jesus were to come back tomorrow, what would you do today? Do you live like that? Because if you live every day with that urgency because you don't know, then you will be prepared when he comes back. Right? And so Jesus gives this illustration of the thief coming in the night. Now, it's not, I mean, don't take anything moral out of it. It's not saying, oh, yeah, stealing's okay. Come on. It's nothing sinister like, oh, I'm just waiting for them. In the moment, they're like, least prepared, and then I'll come. No, 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 it's not like that. It's, it's just saying that, look, he's coming, and we don't know when. Because thieves come when, you know, when you don't know. Right? They want the element of surprise. Are you ready? Are you guys ready? Are you living every day with that urgency? 46. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at their proper time? Now, now I, I want to actually take the whole weight and the whole counsel of Scripture when I ask this question, okay? And just imagine Jesus, like, right here, and he's asking this question of everyone in this church, saying, who here at Christian Layman Church— now, let me do a little bit of systematic theology. Who here at Christian Layman Church has been captured by the person and the work of Jesus Christ on the cross? And in response, your life is like, Lord, I just want to live wisely and faithfully for your glory. I'm just all sold out for your glory. And so I'm going to be faithful with all that you've entrusted me to. I just want to be faithful because I just want to be faithful because of what you did and the accountability you're giving me. How many of you would say, I think that's me? How many of you say, I think I'm prepared? 
Now, n- let me just kind of dialogue with you guys. I actually feel like if I were to say, hey, uh, Ichan, uh, Milton, Daniel, are you guys ready? Now, this is honestly how I would respond, okay? I'm just, just being really honest. I would probably say, not, not, not yet exactly. Like, I'm not really living like he's coming tomorrow. But here's the thing. I think I actually have more time. I, I think I got maybe 10 more years, at least, right? I mean, I, honestly, honestly, th- this scripture doesn't hit us with that urgency because for 50 generations, it hasn't happened. So you're like, you know, I don't, I don't think. But, but, but what happens when I tell you, look, in the last 150 years, more Christians have been persecuted and more conversions have gone around the world than the previous 1,800 years. You're like, well, yeah, but I don't know. I mean, it, it could be, maybe. Okay, let's just say Jesus doesn't come back for another 40 years. Let's just say, let's just say. But here, listen to me, guys. What makes you think that you still have 40 years of your life left? Honestly, right? What makes you think that tomorrow, you got tomorrow? You're like, you know, I got at least... What makes you think you got tomorrow? What makes you think that you have the rest of this day? There's no guarantee. No one, no one guaranteed you your next breath. I'm, I'm 38 years old. My father died when he was 45. Sometimes, and you know, I've been having health problems. Sometimes I feel like, you know something? I wasn't much more healthier than my father. I probably have maybe seven more years to live. I, you know, sometimes I think like that. Raina doesn't like it when I talk like that. She's like, stop that, you know? You're scaring the kids, you know? I mean, but, but I think like that. Look, I don't have tomorrow guaranteed. You don't either. So there's this, there's this big judgment day when Jesus comes back. But the, we, we all have our little J days, our little judgment day, and that's coming. You don't know when it is. Are you ready? <clears throat> Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. Now, the point I want to make here is that when Jesus comes, he brings great reward and he brings judgment. But, but listen to this. Truly, I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. Now, the point I just want to make here is um, how do you consider the, the new life that happens when Jesus comes? Now, there's a lot of people who just kind of go, you know, I've heard that in heaven there's a lot of rest. And quite honestly, just kind of sitting around playing my harp in the clouds, it's boring. I actually think this life is more interesting. I mean, some people think like that, right? But, but here, the, the, <laughs> the master comes back, but how does it reward the servant? It's actually, okay, but, okay, stay with me here. It's actually more work. But it's not the old kind of work. It's not the, the work of just pulling weeds and the weeds are going to be there the next day. It's not just like a work that just kind of kills the soul. Like, like after I graduated from college, I was doing data entry. Oh man, every day was like, my, my, my spirit was just ebbing away from me, you know? And some of you might be doing that. I'm not taking away anything from your work, but I'm just saying, 
I am saying that this work is not like that. I mean, this work will be innovative and creative, and you will see results and dynamic results. I mean, okay, you, you, okay, McDonald's, it's a global phenomenon, right? Who was the founder of, of McDonald's and made it a global phenomenon? And you know it's Ray Kroc, right? Now, that's in this life where work is unredeemed, okay? And he was phenomenally successful, right? Not in helping people live longer, right? But he was phenomenally successful. Now, that is in this life. Imagine the kind of productivity we'll have in the next life. Okay, don't ever think like, oh yeah, heaven's going to be boring and all that stuff. Um, okay, I'm going to read this. I'm going to cut some thoughts because I want to get straight to the application. Um, <clears throat> but if that wicked servant says to himself, my master's delayed, and begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and an hour he does not know, and he will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I just want to explain one thing, and then we're going to talk about application. Now, I know the question's going to come up. Are you saying, Pastor Andrew, by reading this scripture, that Christians can lose their salvation? That needs to be addressed, because it kind of sounds like this person was a quote-unquote Christian, and he kind of lost his salvation. Okay? That needs to be addressed. Now, let me just say this. Okay? How does a person get saved? How does a person ever come into the presence of Jesus and hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant? It does not come, even though I know that uh, it might be contrary to some of the things that I've been saying, it does not come by just living a good life. If you ever, when you receive acceptance from God, it's because of what Jesus did for you. Period. And when you know what Jesus did on the cross for you, there was a very natural effect. And that very natural effect is like, I want to make your priorities my priorities because you are my master. I want to do things your way. I want to have your priorities. That's what true faith does. Now, this other servant, he didn't get it. He really didn't get it because if you really get what Jesus does for you, it changes everything. Your outlook on life is different. You, the reason for living is different. No, is that you? Is that you? And if it's not you, then let's get ready. Okay, now this is what I mean by let's get ready. Can you look in your, um, in your bulletin? What I'd like you to do is I'd like you to pull out this sheet. This sheet right here, okay? We went over this sheet um, uh, a while ago, months ago, and then James Chong, actually we... we we, we borrowed this from James Chong. This is what we call a fusion plan. Okay? This is a fusion plan. Basically, this is how we are going to grow as the people of God. Now, if you just look on this continuum, it's from skeptic to seeker, from seeker to follower, from follower to leader, and then from leader to world changer. Now, what we are doing in this church, we are in the business of transforming people by the power of God. Where are we transforming people towards? Well, if you're a seeker, we want you to learn how to follow Jesus. And if you're a follower of Jesus, we want you to become a leader. And if you're a leader, we want you to eventually become a world changer. And Jesus was the ultimate world changer. When he was lifted up on that cross, he actually, he just changed the entire cosmos, really. Now, we're moving somewhere as a church. And what a terrific way for us to get ready for Jesus to come is to find out where you are now, and I want to ask you the question, what do you need to do to get to the next level? Now, I want to talk a little bit about the limitations of today. Today, we're not going to talk about spiritual disciplines like prayer. 
We're not going to talk about spiritual disciplines like reading the scripture. Okay? We're going to talk about that next week because next week the parable is, it, it flows more that way. This week, uh, with, with this teaching, it, it kind of flows a lot into our fusion plan. So what we want to do is actually to help you guys have a plan of growth. When Jesus comes back, wouldn't it be awesome for him to catch you growing in his likeness? Wouldn't that be awesome if he caught you? You're on the move, and you're always on the move. Next week, we're going to go through this parable, and the main idea is that, you know, you got to wait for Jesus. Today, it's like with urgency, like he's going to come back tomorrow. But you also have to wait for him with perseverance, like he's not going to come back for a long time. Can you, can you have the urgency of him coming back tomorrow, today? And can you also have the perseverance, like he may not come, you know, for like, like 50, 100 years later? And we're going to talk about that. Now, what you need is a plan. And so the plan is to keep on moving and keep on growing. So what I want to do as a little gift to you is just pause for two minutes and not say anything. And just invite the Holy Spirit to process with you. Now, what you have also in this uh, bulletin is something we call a weight training plan. We are going to use the same weight training plan for the next 40 days. So that you have the same thing to work on. Now, whatever you come up with today, I'm saying hold on to it with an open hand because next week we're going to hit it again. And the next week we're going to hit it again until you have like, you know, uh, um, several consecutive weeks of thought and prayer and movement. And it's going to boil down to two, maybe three new things that you're going to do. But we're working together on this plan. So what I want you to do is take this chart identify where you are on this chart. And then I'm going to ask you the question, what do you need to do to get to the next level? Now, if you look all, at all these things down below, I know that it, it actually there is a system and an order to it. I'm not going to explain it to you now. Just look at all these opportunities and just be thinking, you know, if, some of, if I engage in some of these activities, would it help me get to the next level? Like, I've never gone on a missions trip. What if I actually went on this Nicaragua mission trip? I've never been mentored before. Or maybe I'll actually be a I've never been baptized before. I, I, I'm not a member of this church. What would it look like for me to say, you know, I'm all in? I, I don't even know what my spiritual gifts are. And, 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 you know, so just kind of think about that. Now, I don't want to limit to this, but I want to give you resources. Maybe you're thinking, you know, there's nothing really on this list that the Holy Spirit is compelling me to do to make the next step. I'm just going to think out of the box, and the Holy Spirit is going to say this or that. I'm totally open to that, too. But what we want to do right now for a couple minutes, just pause. Invite the Holy Spirit to come, and you just say, Holy Spirit, what do I need to do to get to the next level of becoming like Christ? Now, as they do that, I'm inviting the, the worship team to come up. And they're just going to play a little music in the background. And I'm, we're just going to be silent for two minutes. Now, this two minutes is not time to, to catch a nap or anything. You know, these two minutes are like, I'm processing with the Holy Spirit. This is me doing some planning prayerfully. And uh, we're just going to invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Holy Spirit, come and speak to us. Holy Spirit, get us ready. Move us. Motivate us. Give us a vision. Speak to your people during this time. We invite your presence.
Now for a moment, I just want you guys to actually take your eyes off the plan. And I actually want you to put them on Jesus right now. Maybe it'll help, help some of you guys to look at the stained glass window behind me. And if, if, if you need that visual, then just go ahead and do that. I, I, I want to just leave us with some thoughts that I think would be so inspiring. If you really think about it. Now, would you all just stand? I want you to imagine your own personal small J day. Either the day that you're taken away or the day that Jesus comes back and you are standing before Jesus Christ himself. I want you just to imagine that moment. Uh, if, if you were to pretend that Jesus were right here in the front center stage, I just want you to think, well, how would you respond? What's the first thing that, that comes in your mind as to how you would respond? Would you, would you, would you like, wait for other people? Would you, would you walk up to him and shake his hand and say hello? Or would you, like, f- would you fall down on your knees? Would you, would you start crying? Would you, would you run up to him and just give him this amazing bear hug? What would you do? And I'm, I want you to imagine what his face might look like as you're looking straight into his face and you're longing for him to say certain words about you and your life, about who you are. I mean, can you imagine him looking at you and saying, well done, good and faithful servant. And then what would be the next words that he, that he would say that you, you desperately wish he would say those words that are descriptive of you and the way that you lived your life? What would that look like? What would the tone be? What are you dying to hear from Jesus as he looks at your life? Can you just imagine that? And maybe there's a whole bunch of people, but in your mind, it's really just this room with him and you. And all you can hear is his voice. And what are those words? What are those words that you're dying to hear from Jesus? I want you to imagine that day that you come face to face with Jesus. And we're going to sing this song right now just, just to really bring it home. We're going, to, we're going to meditate on these words and sing this song. I can only imagine. Will I fall? Will I sing? 
I just want to uh, pray for you guys. Lord, I, I pray your Holy Spirit would continue to come and convict us. Please continue to come and stir people who are sleeping. I, I, I love our church. 
I know that there's many in our church who are awake, and I also know that there's many in our church who are sleeping. And I'm asking you by your spirit and by your power, for your glory, that you would wake us up. Help us to see the big picture. Lord, please forgive us. We're so focused on things that just won't matter when you come. We do that all the time. I do that. We we all do that. We're so happy with our idols and our comforts and our pleasures, and we're, we're, we're losing sight of the big picture. Jesus is coming back, and we are making ourselves ready. Oh, Lord, please do us this grace and, and shake us up and, and, and stir our hearts. Get us ready. Get us in this mindset that we got to be ready, and we are waiting people. Make us waiting people, Lord. I don't, I don't know. Sometimes I know uh, when tragedy happens, then we become awaiting people. Or, you know, when this family goes through disaster, then they, they wake up. And, and, Lord, I'm not praying for disaster on people. But I'm praying that you would stir us so we become awaiting people, hungering for the Lord Jesus, not just happy with our own comforts. Our own, our own lifestyles, our own houses, you know, just building this permanent kingdom in this time of great instability when we're supposed to be waiting. Please wake us up. I don't know, people might think I'm being hard on them, but Lord, this is the best way I know how to love people because Jesus said he's coming back and we got to get really serious about what he said. Come, Holy Spirit, bring more thoughts uh, I just imagine that some people are at this place where I want to be uh, awake, but I just love these things in my life too much to let go. And Lord, I pray that you would just show us that you're not just calling us to let go, but to grab a hold of things that are much, much better, much, much enjoyable, enjoyable and will build towards eternal life. Show us that what you offer is infinitely better than what we're clinging on to and help us just to let go.